This is Eros, and you're listening to The Mind of Little Rage. It's time to get loud and get heard on another episode of The Mind of Little Rage. And now your host, Charles Little Rage Alloway. Another edition of The Mind of Little Rage, and it's Charles here, your host. And on today's program, we have the we have Codon Band from Houston, Texas. And this one's been a long time coming, folks. I saw them back probably was that mid mid to late 2019. They shared the stage with Band of Shepherds and my boys and Threat Atlas. And I tell you what, these guys, they uh, they don't typically fit into the music that I hold near and dear, but there was just something really badass and smooth as fucking silk about this band. And they currently have a new EP out called Soft Rhyme Cafe that came out in March of this year. So without any further ado, Codon, how are we doing today, guys? Pretty good, man. Hanging in there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so I tell you what, let's go ahead and get the introductions done so we can kind of place names to voices. So I'll just hand the floor off to you. All righty, man. My name is Dakota Daniels. I'm the drummer here from Conroe, Texas. Yeah, my name is Eric Chipman. I'm the guitar player in the band, uh, also from the Conroe area. Hey, what's happening? I'm Justin, and I play bass for this merry band of assholes <laughs> <laughs> and i'm holden i play saxophone and would you believe it i'm also in conroe texas well yeah i would kind of mm-hmm. think so <laughs> <laughs> you know and i the first thing out of the gate okay I, I i went to acadia that night to to see my boys in threat atlas uh it that was the first time i got to see mark and sean uh, play live and I had known Mark and Sean for better part of a decade I, I worked with Mark and uh, you know we had done open mics and stuff like that at different places together but uh, that was the first time I seen him perform as Threat Atlas 
And of course, you know, the show opens up with Band of Shepherds. I was blown away by by those young men. They did a fantastic job. Yeah, those guys were awesome. And at the time, it was La Palma comes on. Yes. And I see a saxophone. And no offense, but my first reaction was, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because... I, I don't know, maybe it was the music of the 80s because I, I, I'm a 70s, 80s child. Saxophone was everywhere, and I was just so freaking tired of it, and it was put in places where it didn't necessarily fit, <laughs> and it just didn't sound good to me, and I wasn't into jazz or anything like that. I, I didn't get into jazz and, and blues and things like that or have at least an understanding and a respect for it till later on, but... When you guys started playing, I was like, whoa, these guys are doing it right. Yeah, man. We tried to do it a bit different. And it was it was smooth. It was it had a groove to it. The saxophone was just, you know, mwah, perfect. And, <laughs> you know, and and every I mean the whole band was it was like I was watching a musical clinic almost. Oh. And you opened up my mind considerably that evening. So, um, you know, that's our goal, man. There you go. And, and, and exactly, you did exactly what you should set out to do when you go to perform somewhere live, especially in a place where you've never been before. You don't have a fan base there. You go there to open up minds and say, you know, I don't listen to that stuff, but but that shit was good. I like it. It wasn't too bad. (laughs) Wasn't too bad. You know, spit spitting their uh, their their chaw into the spittoon or whatever. But I, I have to say, congratulations, gentlemen. You you gained a fan that night, and you know, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, we appreciate that. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's awesome to hear. Because honestly, I think the way that we kind of make our music, we try to make an experience that uh, connects people to an idea, you know, a going through of a journey, you know, and the instruments, whether they be a saxophone or bass or just kind of inconsequential, you know, they're inconsequential to the picture we're trying to paint. And, you know, it, it always is very awesome when people join us and say, hey, you know, we, we were there for that journey as well. Well, it's, you know, it's like I said, with me, I, I guess, you know, maybe until I was about 30, 35 in that area, I was very much of an elitist. If it's not metal, it's shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely been there. It's not if it's not hard rock and metal, it is shit unless your name is George Jones. Right. But I I, I grew and I and I opened my mind. I had you know, uh, be living in different parts of the country, you're exposed to different cultures, different you know accents, different people, and you start to open up your mind and and realize that hey, there's 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 good music and it doesn't have to be metal you don't have to be metal 100 percent of the time and and when you finally realize that it's such a it's it's almost liberating it is very much is yeah Yeah. so the the important question now is where did all of this wonderful music what were the influences where did that come from where were your individual influences that that put you where codon is now well, that's what's kind of cool because they are—they're really all over the place, and that's what's kind of given us our 
our different sound because no no single one of us is going into this thinking it's going to be something we're going into this with our own influences whether it be mine from like heavy jazz funk all that kind of stuff um to eric i know super big into punk and punk rock ska even tool yeah gotta drop <laughs> it I, I love all that stuff man even you gotta Wu-Tang. throw the prog in there okay. you have to throw the yes. prog in there oh yeah, yeah. A ton of progressive progressive rock yeah that's probably where we all kind of find a middle ground, I would say for sure. Yeah, right. totally. Progressive anything, I'll kind of find it. Right. I know personally as a bass player, I find a lot of influence in some of the harder fusion bands, like uh, California band Fishbone, because they had oh. these slapping, oh, dude, slapping bass lines. <laughs> <laughs> so thank good. You, thank you, thank you, thank you for mentioning that band. Yes, sir. And then they had like Lemon Meringue, and they Lemon Meringue. Like, whoa, where did this come after listening mm. to Bam 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 Down to Down? Very versatile well, band. Now, see, here's the thing, okay? If it, what album was it? Give a monkey a brain, and he'll think he's the center of the universe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you go from you go from swim to servitude to lemon ring, and then further on down, you got a song called "The Warmth of Your Breath." Ah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. And I'm listening to this song, going, "What? Holy yeah. shit!" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But Fishbone was what actually was the one that planted the seed. Now I'd I'd love you know like the Commodores. Oh hell yeah. You know, the BGs, Gap Band, you know, uh Earth, Wind and Fire. I I have a love for funk. We actually we we we've done an instrumental cover of September. Oh (laughs) I gotta see you guys again. I gotta see you live again. But it was Fishbone that, that showed me you can be heavy and you can be funky on the same fucking album. Yeah, exactly. right. Same fucking song, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm right there with you, you know. And I, I guess I never really thought of Fishbone being a fusion band, but when you when you kind of step back and look at it, that's exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's hard to put like a, a name to that band. I mean, it's like rock, jazz, funk, anything with Fishbone. You know, they do it all. Right. It's pretty crazy. That they they fall in the same category, at least in my book, as King's X. They do not fall into any specific genre. Right. That's a killer band. Are, aren't those guys from Katy? Well, they're originally from Missouri. Ah. Uh, okay. That they, they, they did they did relocate to Houston and they lived here for fucking ever. And I think Doug is in L.A. Um, I oh. I think Ty. I think he went back to Missouri. No, he's in Kansas City, and uh, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri, dumbass. And then Jerry, <laughs> I think Jerry Gaskell's in Jersey somewhere. Oh, so all over. And, and they're fixing to drop another album. Super sweet, but enough about other bands. We're here about Codon today. <laughs> With those different influences, and you're you're bringing them in. Has there been some type of? I don't want to put a negative connotation but has there been any kind of clashing when it comes to the, <laughs> to the oh my yeah. goodness to the songwriting process all the time it happens man. all the time but <laughs> you just gotta i mean you just gotta talk through it sometimes you sometimes you butt heads pretty hard i've, I've slammed my fist on a poker table before over a song and like trying to understand something that like a, the that coda was telling me it's like sometimes the languages don't always mix but at the end of the day like we're just trying to make the song better so yeah. maybe it takes a couple of days. We come back the next day and we're just like hug it out real quick and get back to it, you know. Whatever the song needs, man. Whatever is yeah. whatever is at the end of the day best for 
whatever sound we're going for in that in that singular moment, you know. Right. A lot of our good our good mentors and people have taught us, and something that sticks with me personally, always serve the song. You know, we're all here on the same team. And even when we fight and clash and egos may get in the way, it's about taking the egos down and seeking what the song needs to make itself the best. So within our group, we do foster a communal effort of communicating openly with each other. So when the hard times come, we don't have to go over it or around it. We can go right through it and, you know, come out on the other side with something that's a little more polished off than it was before. So when there when there are those clashes and... Again, it's it's not a negative clash. It's it's uh, as you said, serving the song. Constructive. Yeah, there you go. But yep. you, you know, when you come back the next day or the next practice, do you just walk up to each other and go hug it out, bitch? <laughs> More or less. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, it's honestly usually like ten minutes after it happens. Oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah, see, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, Outstanding. We'll separate and it, rooms for a sec and just like. Think about it, and we both come back to the same room. And we're just like, man, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to say that, man. I just want to make a good music. Well, it falls back on band dynamics. You're not, you know, it, uh, being in a band is like being married. Oh yeah, it's it's a giant relationship, family. you know. And it's, you know, there's, there's not the, you don't have to consummate it and all that other BS. But <laughs> you, you, uh, you know, you have to work together as a unit. And you know, I hate it when. You know, you'll be talking to couples and they'll say, oh, well, it's a 50-50 relationship. And I'll look at them and go, so you're only putting 50% into the relationship? Right. It's 100% from everybody in in the relationship, whether it be a marriage, a friendship, or a band. Mm -hmm. You have to put 100% of yourself into whatever project it is. And when I saw you guys perform that night, that's the impression that i got is that everybody is in they're on the same page they these guys take their their music seriously it's smooth it's it's damn near flawless and just wow i left that night going man that was that was really fucking good that's awesome man good to hear but you know what i mean oh, like man. you you really have to to make good music you've got to all be on the same page you've all got to be dedicated you've all got to be there all the time yeah Right. We've all we've all like put this band before everything else, you know, and that's something that, that, you know, drives us moving forward. It's it's a it's a very real motivation in our lives. And that's that's refreshing to hear, you know, and, and every band I've had on here basically has the same answer. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I guess maybe because I'm older and I've seen bands come and go and it and it turns from a. A passion type of thing they are you know they're very passionate about the music that they make they're very passionate about the band they love each other like brothers and sisters and it seems like they can you know nothing will will you know put them asunder and then 15 years down the line it becomes a money issue or something like that and it just tears them apart yeah mm. unfortunately you know unfortunately that's it is what it is that happens way too often I, I guess that the 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 feeling I got is that you're you're on the independent scene, not signed. You know, you're you're doing your own thing. There's nobody saying you can't do this. Hey, we need singles. Da 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 da. Life is but, life is still simple right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but even in that point, I've seen bands and I've been in bands that 
you know, maybe things aren't going as good as you thought they were and all hell breaks loose and it, everything just goes to shit. Right. I yeah, didn't feel are. that with you guys. I didn't feel that watching you on stage. Yeah, we try to be super, just completely open about all of our stuff. All the business we handle as a group, there is not necessarily one leader. You know what I mean? We all, we handle everything as a family. You know, that's how we've always done it. And hopefully that's how we'll continue to do it, you know. And and Holden, I've got a question for you, sir. Yes, sir. That night, when y'all got off the stage, I I, I was trying to I, I met up with Dakota, and I think I shook hands with Eric and Justin. But I was trying to get to you, and the rest of the fucking night, you were surrounded by chicks. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I oh, dude, nice. they were they had to been like four um, thick around you. Um. Is that a question? I don't really know what to say. <laughs> well, no, I'm, no, it's, I, I'm just I'm just giving you some shit. But, but, but I, seriously, I, I, as soon as you came off the stage, it was like whoosh, they were is like bees to uh, an unpollinated flower. You know, they were just on you like white on rice. And I'm like, damn, okay. A guitar player's got nothing on a sax player. No. Well, that well, that is a great observation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, I I was like, you know what, he's he's doing his thing. I'm not the last person he wants to talk to is this bald headed short fucker. I, I I'll meet up with him later. <laughs> yeah, but, we definitely uh, will. Yeah. I, it was I don't know. It was it was uh, I was amazed. You know because. You know, drummers don't get jack shit. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bit. We get drunk is what we get. <laughs> and and then we get the, are, are you okay? Are you about to pass out? You're about to throw up, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just sweating balls off. <laughs> Let's go ahead and check out one of your songs. This one's called, and I love the name of this track. It's called Complex Kind of Dude. So... We're going to be right back after you hear the song. We're going to continue our conversation with Codon, so stay tuned.
We are back. We are talking to Codon. They are from Conroe, Texas. And I said Houston earlier, but that, I mean, that kind of falls in the Houston metro yeah, area. Yeah, North Houston. Houston. You know, we're all one family. All together. Right. I live down in Brazoria, and I still said Houston at, when, when I was living down there. But uh, yeah. we're here with Codon. We're here with Dakota, Eric, Holden, and Justin. And as you can tell, they're they're not the typical band that you would hear on the Mind of Little Rage. But when I saw these guys live, they just they were just amazing, and they killed it. And that night, I made the decision they're going to be on the show one way or another. So here they are. Now, with with complex kind of dude, where where did the inspiration come for this song? Hmm. Well, for a, a, to kind of sum up most of the EP, I think a lot of it kind of started with um, just like a simple guitar riff I kind of wrote, maybe uh, A section, B section or something. So we kind of had it uh, written out, the intro. Um, I don't think it was in 7th, 4 no. or whatever, yeah, right? No, I think so it was so just not, four, well, Yeah, four. It's, it's in 7, 8, uh, the majority uh, of the song. But originally it wasn't. The guitar uh, riff was just in 4. And then when we brought it all together, like, you know, you know it would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> we switched it to seven so yeah. you know made it and then pretty we just complex. orchestrated it ran through it didn't feel good changed something just and then just went with it i just want to throw it out there real quick that the you know the song simple simple kind of or simple man yes so a long time ago eric <laughs> <laughs> eric was sitting down writing and he came up with this riff that he thought was real nice. And he was playing it for a little bit. And he realized very shortly after, like, oh, no, that's literally the riff from Simple Man. I didn't write that. <laughs> I didn't write Simple that. Man. Um, and he told us about it. We all thought it was hilarious. And then he comes with this riff, which is like, you know, 4-4 riff. We changed it to a, more, a little more complicated timing. We were like, well, let's. it sounds like a complex kind of dude kind of song now. <laughs> Instead of a Simple Man. So he changed the timing and added some parts and... <laughs> now it is what it is, you know. And morphed into our one of our tunes. I love that story. That, that uh, I'm over here, just got a huge smile on my face because one, I can relate. You know, being a drummer, you're trying to come up with a melody. I I, I dabble in writing lyrics and whatnot. And this was years ago. I'm trying to write something, and then I took it to the band I was in, and the guitarist immediately went. You did that to uh, She Sells Sanctuary, dude. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. It's a question you got to ask, man. Just like you come up with a new riff, you bring it to the band, you're like, yo, not, not hey, do you like this? It's, hey, does this sound like anything? Yeah. <laughs> did I steal this? <laughs> well, it, I think it was Rob Zombie. I can't remember when. But he, he basically said every hard rock or heavy metal riff has already been written by Tony Iommi. So we're all thieves <laughs> at, at, at some point or another when it comes to music, especially in the hard rock and metal category. And I'm like, man, you just you just shit on so many people's dreams right now. <laughs> That's not even right. <laughs> How long has Codon Band been together? Man, what's it been? Two and a half? Two and a half years or About, so. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Around there, yeah. almost three. Yeah, yeah it's probably almost three. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of a, a staggered history because it first started out with uh, Dakota yeah. and Eric just jamming because they, yeah, I think they both Eric worked at the School of Rock, music school. Yeah, we were and both then, teaching together. Mm-hmm. And then they got a uh, Holden in on it, and it was kind of an informal jam, and we had a, a trumpet player for a second. And then the reason we say two and a half years ago is because two and a half years ago. Um, that's when I 
joined the band as a bass player, I was asked to come play bass. And so that was when the final piece kind of came together. And just a, a month later, we were playing our first open mic at the Corner Pub. So it's been kind of like our songs. It's been kind of like a snowball effect journey morphing into kind of what it is today. Um, when Justin joined the band, he did not know how to play bass. I still don't know how to play bass. I, he <laughs> and then two weeks later, he knew how to play bass. So that's uh, <laughs> after that yeah. happened, we were like, yeah, this is going to work, I think. <laughs> now, Justin, I'm going to call bullshit that you don't know how to play bass. <laughs> well, but my uncle, who is who's a phenomenal musician, guitar, bass, you know, sings like Merle Haggard, and he, he can, but he can play anything. I think if it's got strings on it, he can play it. Uh, he told me that uh, playing bass or with bass is the easiest to learn, but the hardest to master. Yes, sir. I completely, I completely feel that because it's just four <laughs> strings, and if you really want to play it right, just learn your triads, play the roots, hit the accents, but. You know, and that's what a lot of people think bass is. But then you hear somebody like Jocko Pistorius or Stanley Clark, some of the mm-hmm. greats, and they they took those four strings and added unimaginable unimaginable complexity to it. And then when I, that's when seeing that and learning about that, I felt like as a bass player, I had been initiated into like, no nah, man, I'm not the dude that played bass out of consequence. I'm a bass player, and I'm here to like seek that, you know. So and that's what's bass. so beautiful, playing bass. Yes, sir simplicity and in in, that can be juxtaposed with the infinite complexity that can go into it. I have always had a love and respect for bass players. You know, being a drummer, I was always under the impression, and I still believe to this day, that the bassist and the drummer need to be on the same page, no matter what genre you're in. And you can tell when the drummer's off doing his own dissonant thing and the, and the bassist is, is keeping with the song and you can the fuck are you doing dude yeah, exactly <laughs> and it, it just sounds off it sounds weird but right. it goes back to serving the song more than playing out you know exactly and when uh you know when i think of great bass players you know i think john Entwistle, john may young getty lee steve harris cliff burton you know, guys like that, Yako, and and I'm just, you know, bass, man, it's it's one of those instruments that it's limitless in what you can do with a bass guitar. Absolutely agree. Like Jeff Berlin, ooh, he is wild. He has some interesting views on musicianship, but him, um, like Marcus Miller, the Slap King, those dudes can do some crazy stuff. They it's just like, I'm only looking up to that at this point. It's definitely goals, though. And I can, you know, and I can say that about really any any instrument to include guitar, you know, drums, and, and of course the sax, and especially the way the sax is used with Codon's music. It's 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 out front, but it's I'm not sure how to to word it, but it's it's out front, but it also accents everybody, and it just kind of seems to pull everything in to to one unit. I don't know. It kind of puts a nice little bow on everything. All right, let everything breathe. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the healthy mix of supporting the melody and improvisation. <laughs> Did all of you teach at School of Rock? Uh, no, actually, it was just Eric and I. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I, I'm I'm going to show my ignorance. Okay, this is total ignorance. 
I played completely by ear. I could not, if you put sheet music in front of me, I'd be like, I'd look at you and go, yeah, you just, just play the song. I'll learn it. <laughs> but, there, are, there are a lot of damn good players that do play yeah. like that, dude. And I do not put myself in that category. However, <laughs> uh, one thing that's always kind of eluded my my brain, maybe just because I didn't put enough time and effort into it, was was theory. And oh, I've had man, several people try to teach that to me or just at least give me a working knowledge of it. How much does that knowledge of theory and things of that nature, how much of that plays into the structure of the, or the, the beginning is of a song structure. All of it, literally all of it. Like I I've actually, I've taken, uh, up through theory two. Um, if I didn't have that information, I don't know where, I don't know how I would be able to come up with anything. You know what I mean? Like it, there's, it gives you so many tools. It opens so many doors that it, it does. It, it's a, the biggest rabbit hole, dude. It's awesome. It's a it's it's a language, really, because like once, yeah, you know, you can you can sit down with a group of people and you can say, all right, so I came up with this riff. You can play the riff and be like, no, I want it to sound kind of like floaty and puffy and this, that, the other thing. Or you can sit down and say, all right, I came up with this riff. It's in B flat major and I wanted to sound kind of like majory, but with some sevens to make it sound a little colorful. Like it's, it's a language basically. So once you can communicate like that, you have a good starting point and it's just, it, it speeds some things up, but at the same time, you still use your ear to kind of decide where to place some things. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just to add to that, someone told me one time, um, write it first, think about it later. And I think that's a really important thing to think about theory. It's like, it's great to kind of give you the avenues of where you can go and where exactly you want to go or how to get there, you know, but I think uh, when actually creating something, I think it's most people always tend to write it just off the the cuff or um, don't really think about it too much. They're not going into it thinking I'm going to write something in B flat major with a flat five or something. You know, I think most of the time everyone kind of goes in and then tries to use it to you know just enhance the song later or to finish the song or something. Well, it's not like you're trying to put the Alex Lifeson chord in there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, and. Uh, you know, when in in the the bands that we that I was in that had original music, we wrote our music. You know, we we went completely off of feel, and you know, we'd be jamming. Somebody come up with a lick, or I'd come up with some kind of drum fill, or you know, something like that. And if it felt good, we'd go. You know, we we had our tape recorder going, and we'd record it, so we wouldn't lose it. But you're right. You know, don't think about it. Come back and listen to it later. And then we do, and I was like, man, that sounded like shit. It felt good in the moment, but when we yeah. came back and listened to it, it, it sounded really bad. It, You know, it was maybe, I don't know, maybe went from minors to majors, and it just didn't fit <laughs> on the guitar or something like that. But uh, right, And that's actually, that's where that theory comes in, because you'll, you'll have that, that retrospect of your right and wrong notes that you already, mm-hmm. you already know exactly what you can and can't hit even before you walk into it, you know what I mean? If everyone's already, if, if we have that language and everyone's on the same page, we skip a couple steps, you know? Everyone already knows exactly. the avenues. Right, and it doesn't take away from, you know, our feeling of the music, because when we're playing it, we're still feeling it. And, you know, I think Eric had a good point when he was talking about writing first, thinking about it later. We'll write something, we'll play it, you know, and then we'll we'll see how the feel will, you know, help us to make decisions on the changes we're going to make. And we go back to writing, go back to theory, you know, it's 
the feeling definitely helps facilitate us through the use of the theory, which is the language which helps us to communicate it more easily. It seems like, and I'm not going to, this is not going to be like a blanket statement or anything like that, but it seems like with a lot of your, your heavier bands, they play a lot off of feel. And, you know, and I would imagine that bands like, you know, Dream Theater, uh, King Crimson, oh, Genesis, Dream Theater, yes. uh, Rush, Tool, they, they oh, yeah. spend a lot of time on the theory aspect. And, yeah, they're sitting down yeah. with pen, pencil and paper, <laughs> writing down their parts type thing. Yeah. I, I would I would love just to look over John Petrucci's shoulder when oh, he's writing dude. a guitar riff. <laughs> you go, what? Hey, oh, explain dude. that. What the fuck are you doing there? <laughs> explain right, that shit to me. <laughs> That. You can really tell the difference and not saying that one is better than the other. I am not saying that in any way, shape, form, or fashion, but you can definitely tell when a band is, I guess, more analytical when it comes to the songwriting aspect of it, as opposed to going completely off a of feel. Yeah. Would you agree with like that? Those, absolutely. Cause there's those, mm-hmm. there's those math rock bands and then there's those like jam bands, you know, those jam bands will put on a fucking show, dude. But, you know, it's all feel. They're just, they're jamming out for an hour and a half. But it's, it's a, it can be a phenomenal show, depending on all, depending on the musicians. And then you've got those like super coordinated math rock groups that that's why it's a good show is how clean and how crisp and how coordinated it is, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And when, again, I, I'm not saying one is, is better than the other. I'm going to no, go. No way. It, yeah. If, if if I had my choice, if I, you know, if it's, hey, you got Dream Theater or you got Seven Dust, nine times out of ten, I'm going to go with Seven Dust because I go off a of feel. And that's, they feel me and I feel them. But there's that t- those times I'm just like, no, nah, I need some prog. I need oh, some, yeah. I need something to, something to make me think. give yeah. me a headache trying to figure out how the fuck did they do that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Make you think. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, that's what it first attracted me to Rush is it made me think. Holy shit! How are three guys sounding that big? And it's oh, that dude, absolutely, yeah, that in so of itself, for three yeah. Piece. And and I could ask the same thing with with the four of you. How how do you make yourselves sound so big? I mean, it's it's you could say it's easy to do in a studio because you can do the wall of sound and and all that other thing. And but but when you're on stage. At no time did I hear a void. At no time did I hear anything that was missing. It was all just in that damn pocket, and it was there. It was, you know, that wall of sound was there, and I'm like, it. That's hard to do. Yeah, in a live setting. How how do you go about doing that? Is there is there a process or anything like that? That 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 I think is one of the more organic processes because that just comes with this playing together all the time. Like we do, we've gotten together three days a week for what two and a half years now. Like yeah. we've never stopped. So once you once you play together like that for that long, you understand. You you can literally. I I know whenever Holden's about to take a breath. You know what I mean? Like we know when the gaps in it, in each other's sound are going to happen, so we know when to fill them. You know, and that just literally just comes with knowing that person's playing like the back of your hand so in layman's terms it's repetition it is that's that's it totally exactly repetition solidifies all right let's check out another song from codon this one's called water level this is another cool name for a song so 
We're going to be right back after water level and continue our conversation with the boys in Codon. We are back. That was water level. We Before we went to that break, we were talking about how they get that big, almost wall of sound 
type of production when they're performing live. And we kind of skirt, you know, not skirted the subject, but touched on how it's how easy or easier it is to do in a studio setting. And repetition was the key. And I think after listening to the two previous songs, we can tell as listeners, even if this is the first time you're hearing Conan as as a band, that these guys are together. They're on the same page. And I've said this once before already during this episode, but it, it you have to say it over and over again that that is such an important part of being in a band. And again, there's I, I don't know. There there seems to there has to be something other than repetition that that plays into that. Well, let's see. just like is that a question or what the fuck is he doing uh, so it's a, it's a very good question yeah. is what it is yeah so does is there something else that plays into that that sound that that unity other than repetition well there is there is some pedals on the saxophone going on, which could help yeah. with that every once in a while. But I wouldn't not, say that we uh, depend on that. that well, is, I'm not going okay. from a from an equipment point of view. <laughs> right. I mean, that I, I that kind of goes without saying. Yes, you're going to have you know reverb and chorus and vibrato and all that other stuff and reverb on the drums and and what have you. But I don't know. There just there was something there, and I couldn't put my finger on it when I was listening to you live. That you know, you can get, okay, these guys practice a lot. They know what they're doing. They've mastered their instruments, but there's something I can't put my finger on it. Any ideas what it might be that I'm missing? I mean, playing the music is its own reward. Regardless of anything else we're trying to do, we get together and play with each other because we love each other. And that and repetition, to me, I think, adds... And I feel like it goes with a lot of just like the the coordination and the um, orchestration of the of the piece itself. As far as like nobody's playing over each other, we know who's the focal point of each tune. That way, there's that's like part of the reason you know, like we try not to leave any gaps of what's happening. We're, there's always something going on. You know what I mean? Okay, so yeah, and and I think I think you're 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 pointing me definitely in the right direction. And as you said earlier. You know, you know when when each other is going to take a breath, right? On stage, and I, I I would imagine that if you know the four of you are on stage and you were prohibited from looking at each other and had to play back to back to back, y'all could still pull off a song and not and it would be perfect. Would you say that? Pretty confident, depending on the tune, because we yeah. do we do try to communicate <laughs> as far as just we do try to look each other in the face, you know, and we communicate on stage and we'll improvise some parts so we could if we had to but we do really focus on that that stage communication a lot yeah and some of these songs are hard you know sometimes yeah. i get lost <laughs> and i wrote it you know <laughs> where are we yeah. well you know even even neil peart you know he, he when he wrote the drum part for tom sawyer he even you know toward the latter part of his career and the latter part of his life he would say i wrote that that drum part to be challenging and I want it to continuously be challenging. I've been playing it for, you know, 30 years and it's still challenging to play it right to this day. 
you want to write music that's it's fun to play you enjoy playing it but it, at the same time it's a challenge exactly yeah that's what you got to strive for otherwise you'll never get better yeah. yes yeah I, yeah that's you know and uh, I, I know I keep going back to 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 Rush. I just you know I love Rush, but oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't mind Rush. either. Yeah. I don't mind at keep all, it. man. I love Rush. <laughs> Neil Pert, man, one of the best. Oh, you you are not lying. During these conversations, I like to ask kind of an off the wall type of question. You know, just something kind of out of the out of left field. You know that you don't know is coming. So I get you know, <laughs> so I, and I usually get the oh shit uh, before they answer. But for for the four of you. If you could talk to any musician, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, what a good one. I'll go first, actually. Um, I think I would speak to Mr. Tom Petty because oh. his musical career it climbed so many mountains. I mean, on his third album, he <laughs> sued his record label because they were stealing his songs. He won the lawsuit, goes f- like full platinum. He just made it for life right there. And you can tell listening to their last album that he went out just like, he didn't care if people loved or hated his music. He was playing with his, playing with his people he'd been playing with for years because he loved doing it. And like, I don't know. It was the first concert I saw, and he's like a third father to me <laughs> in a way. I would talk Tom, to him all day. Tom Petty was ahead of his time musically. I, I don't. I, I think we only got the tip of the iceberg when it came to his talent. I really do. I think he, he had so much more left in the tank uh, when he left so early. But, uh, yeah, amazing musician. I'll go next, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm still thinking. I was say, as of late, man, I've really been diving deep into Nate Smith. Have you ever heard of this this drummer? He's um he's a drummer for the Fearless Flyers, which is kind of a, a subgroup of that Wolfpack group. You know who I'm talking about? Mm, that's that's a new one. I'd say that's one to look I... up. With Nate Smith, uh, man, he's just he's got the deepest pockets and the fastest hands, and it's all just so unbelievably clean all the time it's just utterly insane and i would just love to sit down with him and have just a full-blown technique conversation because that's that's somebody if you haven't if you haven't heard him nate smith look him up I, I will nate. i will do that as soon as we nate. finish up here i will look up nate smith yeah um i guess i'll go next i would say anybody from tool right now uh, I'm just so curious about how they how they write songs. Um, I know the song Schism. They uh, I think they changed time signatures 47 times, and right. but it doesn't feel like they change at all. It just feels like a fat riff, you know. And especially the way they can like milk a riff over and over and over again, uh, but still make it s- still sound so fresh every time you hear it after like four minutes in a row, you know. Uh, yeah, I just love to see how they, any of those guys write a song, how they come up with all that, you know, that feel of their whole records and tunes and things. Wow. See, you, I I had no idea. Forty-seven times. <laughs> yeah, it's ham. It's insane. <laughs> you have to check it out. Schism is crazy. Well, I, you know, I, I I dig Tool. I love Tool. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Anima. I'm probably saying that that's the name of that song wrong. Is is my yeah. that's my jam with Tool. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, learn to swim, motherfucker. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, Tool is, I think all four of those guys are completely out of their mind, mus- musically speaking. 
Uh, I, I put them right up there with like Devin Townsend, you know, musical yeah. talent wise. I would agree. Good statement. Man, there's so many bass players that I'd love to talk to, but the one would have the one would have to be Jaco Pistorius. He would he was just so innovative that when I first started playing bass, a lot of my bass knowledge was not very expansive. It, it was just I thought of bass as like a lot of very basic stuff, basic rhythms, you know. But then Jocko showed me the limitless potential of it. And that impact on me was very, very strong at a very early time in my playing. It gave me a ton of motivation that I still carry with me. So if I could talk to any musician alive or dead, it would definitely be him. Yeah, Portrait of Tracy is like one of the craziest songs ever. With those right. harmonics. Yeah. Right. And the bass can make all these weird noises because it yeah. has these big strings, you know. And a lot of people try to minimize that and go into like the rich, deep tones. But Jocko... He could do that. He had that in his back pocket. But he could take the harmonics and the weird tones and he could make a song where he's playing bass and melody, orchestrating a song on four strings, just using all the weird off-the-wall tones as well as the deep tones that everybody already milks. I, I think all four of your answers were top-notch, and I can, <laughs> can totally agree with all of them. But I, I kind of want to... Something that I'm a bit of... I, I'm a bit of a gearhead when it comes to you know, my, the drum kit, you oh, know, I have, I have certain heads, I have certain symbols, certain sticks, you know, hardware, all that great stuff. Now are, are y'all gearheads at all? We try to be, man. If it wasn't, <laughs> if, if, if symbols weren't so damn expensive, I would be, uh, definitely are, have preferences, but yeah, are, man, if I, yeah. Are there certain, you know, is there certain uh, guitars, certain heads, symbols, sticks, basses saxophone manufacturers anything like that yeah we're all big fans of orange amps uh that's our <laughs> trying to get a sponsorship with those guys yeah please, please. <laughs> your amps sound amazing um yeah i don't know i think for me my main goal with all my gear especially since i teach as well is just i just wanted the second i plug it in i want it to be comfortable and sound exactly the way i want and then pedals obviously you know you need for certain situations or certain effects and stuff so that can be endless um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, I just wanted to sound good the second I turn it on and be done. I don't want to have to mess with anything. Is there a certain guitar that, that is your go-to guitar? Yeah, right now I'm using, uh, I think it's called, uh, Angelico. I think is the mm -hmm. right way to say it. I'm not too sure, but they're kind of like a brand from New York. Um, I'd never seen it before except for the last couple of years, but they make, uh, amazing semi hollows and solid bodies, uh, for a really affordable price. And, um, it's like one of the most comfortable and best sounding guitars I've played in, in so long. Outstanding. I, I really dig my Aguilar envelope filter. I like uh, Aguilar heads that I've played with. They're very nice. Um, as far as basses go, um, the one that I'm rocking right now is a Fender Mexican-made jazz bass. I love Fender basses. They're Fender, like Mexican-made or American-made, industry standard. But if I could just have my dream bass, it would have to be like a fretless six-string Aguilar, man. Aguilar's would probably be the one bass that I'd probably like. Well, not the one, but one of the few I'd put above the Fender bass. One of the few. They're with like Warwick. There, there's, there's something, there's two basses that I just find sexy in a musical sense. A, a, a Fender J or Fender P. I just love those. Mm. I love both of them. But uh, a Rick. I love a Rickenbacker. Ooh. Oh, Rick Rick and so good. And their guitars are fantastic as well. Yeah, and but, but you know, it's... They they love their ricks. They love those basses. 
yeah. a little bit too much. But, <laughs> right. But, you know, and, and there's such, and, you know, Rickenbacker has such an incredible distinctive sound. And you could say the same thing for the P bass and the jazz bass with Fender is they have that distinctive sound. You can tell the difference between a P bass and a jazz. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, I fan of fan of both. Right, right. And I, I really dig the P bass. It does really well in the studio. I personally prefer the jazz bass because you can do a lot with the pickups to kind of change the tone and you can kind of play it hard. Um, Ricks are great. A lot of the playing styles on Ricks, you know, kind of goes more towards like softer play styles. You know, the jazz bass, like, you know, Joe Dart, um, Jocko, they all kind of played hard. I naturally kind of play hard. So that's why I prefer the, the Fender. Well, that was Gaddy's bass. He used he used a uh, Fender Jazz. Yes, sir. Oh, he also used a Rick Rickenbacker as well. On a yes, he did. Yeah. yeah he well, used, he used he a Stein. Did. It was a Steinberger too. But you know, I was like, dude, no, that doesn't fit you. Go back, either go back to the Rick or get the Fender. Yeah, right. <laughs> get that headless crap off your shoulders. Yes. <laughs> Guitar doesn't have a headstock. I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the drums? What about Dakota? What you Man, got? Any as for- far as uh, symbols, heads, heads, Evans level three sixty all day yes, long. Yes, sir. Man. All, all day, day long. long. <laughs> They're so reliable. They sound good for so long. Um, symbols. Okay, so right now, let's see. What do I got? Some Zildjian ZBT hi hats. Had them for years and years. Um, I'm honestly all Zildjian till mm-hmm. the day I die, dude. I, I I'm a fan of Zildjian, but I'm I'm a Minel guy. I love Zildjian, I, but I, I, I love, like Minel. I love those Minel darks. Oh, oh my God, those are I yeah, those are fucking awesome, dude. But I did find that it was it was a Sabian. I think it was a Sabian light crash. That, oh yeah. That just it it fits so well with those Minels. I had every Man. all Minels except for one Sabian. And when I'd hit that mine on that Sabian at the same time, it just had this like explosion. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Nice. Dude, actually, speaking of crash symbols, that's the one symbol that's different. That's very, very weird. So my my 16-inch crash symbol is technically an orchestral suspended symbol. So it's made to be hung and then rolled on with mallets. But when you just when you smack it, it's the warmest nicest sounding crash i've had in my entire life so my 16 inch crash is not a drum set symbol it's an orchestral symbol I, you know i've he- i've heard of guys taking uh crash symbols and using those as hi hats you know taking taking oh yeah you know, like, two 18 inches and, and making hi hats out of that and it had such an amazing hi-hats. sound it's cool, dude. It sounds pretty. It, it does. I've actually tried it. <laughs> we all have. Who hasn't? Yeah. You know? Exactly. But uh, it's it. Yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. Okay, sax man, let's go. Well, as far as the sax goes, if you're not playing a song, you're probably wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. From there, saxophone bodies are mostly Selmer. That's what you see these days. And then from mouthpieces and ligature and reeds, the ligature is what holds the reed on the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Just by the way. See, I'm learning uh, I'm learning stuff today. I love it. The mouthpiece, you can go anywhere with mouthpieces. I have an alto saxophone mouthpiece. That's a Van Doren mouthpiece. Or I'm sorry, not Van Doren. A Selmer mouthpiece. And I have a tenor mouthpiece. That's a, um, what's that company's name? 
a, a Dario mouthpiece. But then you can go to Reeds, and from Reeds I'll switch up anywhere from Van Doren to Dario again to like a box of Ricos. And ligatures don't matter as much to me, to be honest. I just kind of use whatever ligature. But um, <laughs> yeah, all that stuff is pretty interchangeable, to be honest. It's kind of dirty. I, I do have a question about reads. Now, is it, is it like one read fits all? You know, like if you have a baritone sax or an alto, do no, you, can you use the same read or are they totally different? No, they're different sizes. So if you okay. put if you put like an alto read on a baritone, you wouldn't you wouldn't even cover like half of the mouthpiece. They're just oh, like okay. a big hole in the mouthpiece. You wouldn't get any sound from that. Okay. Um, that being said, you can switch other instrument reads every once in a while and that sounds kind of cool like sometimes i'll play with a clarinet read on my alto actually and it sounds kind of neat Ooh, see i i i didn't man i'm gonna walk away from this conversation going yeah i'm an expert in saxophone now <laughs> <laughs> not even close not even close <laughs> as long as it's more than you did before oh I, it's definitely more than i knew before because i knew okay i know you you know, it has all that stuff, but I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I, if you put a saxophone in my hand and said, play it, I'd be like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't even know how to hold the damn thing. So <laughs> the right hand goes on the bottom, left hand on top. <laughs> there you go. See. <laughs> now, if, if you had the opportunity and to uh, collaborate with, with anyone, you know, in the music world, you know, as a band, who would it be? Yeah, I would say Chan. Uh, they're like, um, I don't know where they're from, but they're like a guitar duo thing. Um, what are they? What kind of genre are they? What kind they're of like they a, They're sort of like a, I don't know. I, I would say math rock, most upfront, but like a math rock progressive kind of band. Yeah, they're pretty cool. There's no horns in that band, but I would love to be the horn in that band. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually, yeah, it's one of those bands we've like all four of us have listened to that band for years and years. Mm. It's one of those like one of the. One of the pioneer math rock bands for us, at least. Like, that's kind of really paved the way for a lot of these other groups. I, I was kind of hoping you'd say something like Animals as Leaders or something oh, like that. Dude, they're literally, they're in this, they're, to me, they're, they're right there in the same category. Yeah, they're, very, <laughs> they're very, very close. Animals as Leaders is also another band I got into the exact same time I got into Chon. I don't think gotcha. I have enough strings to play with that band, though. <laughs> I don't think I have enough strings. <laughs> that ain't, that's no shit right there. Yeah, dude, yeah. Now, I, I want to be super respectful of your time. We're, we're coming up on, on an hour. And what I want to do now is give, uh, give you the opportunity to uh, make sure that my listeners know where they can find you on social media. So any, all of our social media, it's all just Codon Band. You can type that in. It'll come up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, what else are we on? on? Spotify. If you did, just type Codon. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry. And Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming services, just it's just Codon. But for any like social media, like the Facebook and the Instagram, Codon Band, or literally just go to CodonMusic.com. Yes. Website will link you to everything. And... Uh... Spotify, are you are are you streaming the music as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 been out since March, so you can go stream the music. You can download it, buy the album if you want to on iTunes. That'd be nice. We got, we got shirts for sale. Yeah, the website has all of our merch, all that good stuff. Fantastic. And again, I'm gonna jump on my my soapbox a little bit. You know, we're we're in a weird can't 
you know, perform live at a lot of places. I, I know, I think Acadia had a few bands come in. They're talking about doing another closure, whatever. Yeah, it's really hard for these bands to, to get together and, and perform live. So if, if you are in a position where you can buy some merch or go on iTunes and, and buy an EP, buy a song, please do so. If you can't, go to their social media, go to a YouTube page, like a video, follow them on social media. The smallest action to show support for a band is so huge in the grand scheme of things. So again, I'm going to plea with everybody listening, support the bands that you want to support, support the local music scene, even though it's kind of floundering right now. Uh, but you know, when, when we get back out, and we can congregate because we are social creatures, whether, you know, the government wants us, wants to keep us tied down or not. Uh, we, we, you know, we're social creatures. We like to congregate and we like to spend time with friends and family and whatnot and see live, live fucking music, whether it be heavy metal, jazz, blues, country, rock, whatever. Uh, once, once we get to the point where we can listen and go to these places again, Let's let's just have the biggest fucking party on the face of the earth that Houston, Texas has ever seen. But uh, support the bands as much as you can. The smallest thing you can do is huge in the grand scheme. So, guys, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And we've got one more track for this episode featuring Codon. This one's called Carpeted Archway. I had to look that one up for a second. But this one's <laughs> called Carpeted Archway. Um, give us a little insight on this because this is going to play us out uh, for the episode. Uh, so if, if you have any tidbits that you'd like to share with that one, let me, let, let me know. Um, so you ever have one of those dreams that feels like super realistic? You can literally feel yourself walking down the street. And the next thing you know, you see a building that is um, horizontal instead of vertical. So you walk inside the building and then there's carpet on all the walls and a bunch of crazy shit is going on. And then um, you wake up with like a <gasps> and you're like, whoa, I was just there. And uh, that's what Carpeted Archways is about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, when no, you said, have you ever had a dream that you thought was, you know, kind of real? I was like, you know, I had a dream the other night and I smelled gasoline. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, not, not like natural gas like in your house, but like, you know, car gasoline. And I'm oh, like, uh, you know, and as soon as I woke up, it was gone, you know, but I'm like, and then you went into carpet everywhere and the buildings, you know, horizontal instead of vertical. I'm just, wait, what, where's he going with this? no but so i guess basically what you're saying is um a little abstract a little abstract it's kind of a kind of a strut kind of song you know what i mean gotcha gotcha along okay not avant-garde though nah i wouldn't say okay (laughs) okay okay yeah it actually is and you know I, I know I said that kind of like, and I didn't mean it that way. I'm just, uh, oh, of course not. Yeah. No, I, I mean, avant-garde has its place unless it's you're a, yeah. Yoko fucking Ono. And that's not, yeah. oh my God, that's just fucking Yoko noise. Fucking <laughs> 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 but, but, uh, you know, how much, and one last question before I let you guys go, how much does ex- experimentation, uh, play a role in, in the songwriting of Codon? 
it's definitely definitely a huge part of it we wouldn't have any songs without experimentation yeah <laughs> it would it, we wouldn't be anything <laughs> so yeah. ex- so guys if, if you're in a band guys and gals if you're listening you're in a band don't be afraid to experiment don't, don't be, be afraid to to let a song evolve on its own let it take a life of its own and become a beautiful wonderful masterpiece and don't right. be afraid to make mistakes because if you're afraid to make mistakes you'll never try to outside your comfort zone absolutely yes guys thanks again for uh coming on like i said this this has been a, a long time coming but you know what Good things come to those who wait. And this episode of The Mind of Little Rage has been out fucking standing. Thanks, man. You guys made it really easy. Well, you guys made it really easy. Uh, You know, I I, I could talk to a tree, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly think I could carry on a conversation with a tree. But, uh, you know, when when I have guests... Uh, and, and I can say this about every guest. They've made it easy. They've made my job easy when it comes to this program. So thank you very much for being yourselves, be, ha- having fun with this, and uh, and sharing your story and the music, most importantly, with my listeners. So uh, as with every other band that has appeared on this program, Codon has an open invitation to come back on the show Anytime that you feel necessary or feel the desire, have a new EP coming out. You got a big tour. You got a, you know, anything like that. It could be five minutes. It could be 15 minutes. It could be an entire episode. I will make time for you guys. So awesome. Uh, I really appreciate, appreciate that, Thank man. you so much. Thanks, Charles. Is there anything, uh, before we go, is there anything that you would like to say to your fan base? Um, other than just like, all the support it's been amazing so far um yeah anything you can do as far as anything on the on the web nowadays because we can't go out and play a bunch of shows we're gonna be trying to release a bunch of videos try to just keep keep getting stuff out there regardless of whether we can go out and actually play shows or not works for me and if you go to look up codon it's k-o-d-o-n so Make make sure you get the spelling right, and you wind up on like Pornhub or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but make sure you go and check out their social medias, check out their YouTube, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, stream it, buy it, check out their merch. If you if you in a place where you can buy it, make sure you get your hands on some Codon merch. Again, guys, thanks for coming on the program, and until next week, this is Little Rage out. <laughs>